This special bonus EPL resumption preview on the Sports Gambling Podcast is presented by MyBookie.ag. Use the promo code SGP for up to $1,000 deposit bonus plus deposit this week and you'll get a $10 free bet for the Belmont Stakes. That's MyBookie.ag promo code SGP to play, win and get paid. Also, make sure you check out and subscribe to the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, the exclusive home of the EPL show. The EPL show returns this Thursday. And with a lot record this season so far of 32 and 12, and a lot record last season of 47 and 11, you can't afford to miss out on the free money being won over on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network on the EPL show. So make sure that you subscribe and get the show this Thursday. We're also brought to you by our Sports Gambling Podcast Network College Football Tournament. We're simulating a real college football playoff that you can bet on every Saturday and Sunday night in June. Go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash CFT for all the details. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash CFT. We're also brought to you by Ace Per Head. Ace is the leader in paperhead providers and they make it super easy to start your own sports book. Plus, Ace is offering up to six weeks free over at aceperhead.com slash SGP. That's aceperhead.com slash SGP. And finally, we're also brought to you by Cushy Dream. Dreams. Cushy Dreams is a new company with a full lineup of premium smokable CBD. Now shipping legally to all 50 states. If you use the promo code SGP, you'll get 15% off. That's Cushy Dreams, K-U-S-H-Y Dreams.com and the promo code SGP. <laughs> listening to the EPL show. The EPL is back here on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. You can follow the Sports Gambling Podcast Network on Twitter at the SGP Network. Check out the Sports Gambling Podcast website, sportsgamblingpodcast.com for all of the latest written content, including my articles on the EPL. You can follow me on Twitter at my new Twitter account at SGP. EPL. That's at SGP EPL. And of course, check out my website, lockbetting.com, where we're coming off a strong weekend with the soccer. And we look to keep it going with all of this week's soccer action, including the European show, which returns over at lockbetting.com this weekend. And the EPL show, the regular EPL show covering the weekend fixtures, which will be here on Thursday. And then you'll get another one next Monday because the EPL are going to be cutting a hectic schedule to get this season finished. And it all starts on Wednesday. And we'll be looking at those two games that take place on Wednesday. But we're here on this show to look at the futures markets. And the futures markets will consist of, well, the ones that we'll cover here will be, we're not going to bother with the league winner. And I think we all know why. Because Liverpool are a hundred percent going to win this league. They're one to 500 to do it. So it's absolutely no point looking at that. But what I will look at is the top four markets, the top five markets and all of the relegation markets and the top scorer markets as well, because these are markets that are still very much in play. And uh, that's why it was so important for us to conclude this EPL season, to come back and determine who gets into those Champions League positions, who gets relegated from this table and so forth. And of course, the conclusion of the FA Cup as well. So I'll be having a brief look at the FA Cup as well on this show. We'll begin with the top four finish market. 
which is led by Leicester, who are at one to six to finish in the top four. Chelsea are available at eight to 13. Manchester United are available at seven to four. Wolves are available at 15 to two. And the outsiders here are Tottenham at 10 to one. They're on bigger outsiders, but I've decided to draw the line here at Tottenham who are available at 10 to 1. And Tottenham could actually make some impact here in this league, despite the fact that they didn't look very good under Mourinho towards the end. They were plagued by a lot of injuries. And prior to those injuries, if the league had started from when Mourinho took over, Tottenham would have been third in the league at one point. That was prior to those injuries. However, obviously, since then, there have been a load of injuries with Son and Harry Kane, the two key ones that went missing. And since then, Tottenham have really struggled and have dropped down the league table. They would be in a far better position if they'd kept those players in eighth, a position that leaves them seven points behind Chelsea and four points behind Man United. But if they beat Manchester United in their first game back on that Friday, they'll all of a sudden be one point behind Manchester United, who occupy fifth place. And suddenly will look like they can finish in that top five. Not necessarily the top four. There's a reason why Tottenham are 10 to 1. But we're looking at that top five, and we'll look at that when we get to it. But we'll conclude here with the top four. Man United themselves, who we just talked about possibly losing to Tottenham, are just three points behind Chelsea for this top four. Now, Man United are a team that we just spoke about potentially losing their first game back against Tottenham with Tottenham being rejuvenated with all these players. But Man United themselves, they were rejuvenated before we had this break. Bruno Fernandes was playing incredibly. The defence was keeping teams out. Anthony Martial looked good. Agarlo actually looked like a good signing despite being heavily criticised. And Man United were flying without their key players, Marcus Rashford and Paul Pogba. Now there's been murmurings from the Manchester United camp that Pogba and Fernandes are going to play together when Man United come back. Now, nothing has really clicked for Paul Pogba since he signed for Man United. He's had a one or two decent performances, but overall, he has been a disappointment despite the fact that he does remain a highly rated player and will probably command a very decent transfer fee if Man United decide to sell him. But what's coming out of United is that they won't sell Pogba or they won't sell anybody else. They're going to stick with everything they've got and strengthen in the summer. And that means David De Gea staying in goal as well and Henderson not coming in from Sheffield United and taking over the Man United goalkeeper jersey. There's not going to be another rebuild. Man United have looked at this season as the rebuild and next season they are going to possibly challenge for the title or at least be a contender they've not been a contender for a long time but it would be a massive bonus if Manchester United could get into the Champions League this season which will probably require them just to finish in the top five because we're doing the top four market here and usually that would constitute a Champions League spot but at the moment Manchester City are being told that they're going to have a two-year ban from Champions League football and they currently occupy a place obviously in the top four in the table so their space will then go to the team in fifth which puts a lot of interest in the top five market but for me here I think the bookies have got it right. Um, I wouldn't be putting any money at all, though, on, on Leicester here at a very, very short price. Here I'm looking at it at one to six, but I'm sure shorter prices are available. They are on 53 points. They are five points ahead of Chelsea. They are eight points ahead of Manchester United. But Man United are more than capable of making eight points up on Leicester if they go on some kind of run because Leicester were on a run themselves. A very, very terrible run in 2020. If you look at their 
their Premier League results. They were in a, on a very bad run and they're not backable in this market. They may be backable in a market where you're predicting the, the top four overall because you can do a Premier League top four exacta and at 13 to 8, you get Liverpool, Manchester City, Leicester and Chelsea. But a seven to two, and here's the real value: Chelsea, Manchester City, Leicester, and Manchester United. So there's different ways to bet that, uh, but I wouldn't be taking any money on Leicester individually at one to six. As we move on and actually look at the the top five, which could now constitute a Champions League position and is very likely to do so, Leicester still had that market at one to thirty three. Then you have Chelsea at one to five, Manchester United at one to two, and I think there's value there because I think Man United are either going to finish in, in fourth or fifth place. And then you have rank outsiders Wolves at ten to three, Tottenham who do represent some value at 5-1. to one. Sheffield United 13-2 and Arsenal at 7-1. to one. Tottenham, I think, may be worth a little sprinkle here because there is a possibility that they could come out of the lockdown and win all of these games because that is what the Tottenham of two, three years ago would have been capable of doing. This is a team that got to the Champions League final last year. And although this has been a very bad season for them where we've seen Mauricio Pochettino leave, we've seen Mourinho come in, we've seen loads and loads of injuries, they do have the capability of winning these remaining games. They're capable of beating Man United at home. They've done so before. Obviously, that'll be dependent on a, a, a Man United who aren't the same as the one that that left the break because before the break they were playing the best football that they played for a long time they saved Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's job he was heavily touted to, to leave this post before Christmas then all of a sudden Manchester United have caught fire but if it's a, a Man United on an off day Tottenham could win that game you'd expect Tottenham to win at home to West Ham you would expect Tottenham to win at Sheffield United especially with the games being behind closed doors which is something that you massively need to factor in and we'll talk about that a little bit more later on you would expect Tottenham to win at home to Everton. You'd expect Tottenham to go and win at Bournemouth. Again, another place where the home fans make it an intimidating atmosphere when that's neutralised by the fact that all the, the only advantage Bournemouth have is the fact that they play in those surroundings and are familiar with them. But we've seen over in the Bundesliga where 51% of the away teams have won that that isn't enough to win you games at home. Better football teams are winning on gay, on grounds that are neutralised. Uh, Tottenham at home to Arsenal. You'd expect Tottenham to win that game. Tottenham away to Newcastle. Tottenham at home to Leicester and Tottenham away to Crystal Palace. They do not have a game there where you can categorically say that it's not a winnable game for Spurs. I don't personally have them losing any of those games when they come back. I don't even have them losing against Man United. I think the two teams will play out a draw. Um, and possibly that may not be good enough for Tottenham. Maybe they will need to come out and win all of these games to secure a spot in the top five and to have Champions League football next season. But as I said, the league table doesn't indicate that. The league table indicates that they are four points behind Manchester United. And if they win that game and go one point behind them, all of a sudden, 5-1 to one looks very, very big, especially when you're looking at a team that have got Son back and Harry Kane and others. This is a fully fit squad for Jose Mourinho, something that he hasn't had the luxury of ever since he took over, and it's been just a plague of injuries since then, which is why I think Mourinho is almost guaranteed to get another go at it next season, even if Tottenham come out 
lackluster and don't do anything here at the resumption. Um, as I said on the uh, shows I recorded during the lockdown, if it all ended now, I had Tottenham as my number one team who'd have been most happiest for the season to be over because they're not in any cup competitions. And had the season been completely voided, then they would have retained their place in the Champions League. Now they're going to have to come out and play and they're going to have to probably secure a place in the top five. I don't think it's going to be the top four. I do think it's going to be the top five. I think even if City do manage to turn anything around in terms of that ban, I believe it's going to be a reduction and it isn't going to be a case of them lifting the entire ban and playing in the Champions League next season, which is going to be interesting for City and themselves to see if they keep all of their players because there's already rumours about um, Kevin De Bruyne going over to Spain. So... Lots of interesting developments to see over the summer, but at the moment, of course, we're focusing on this season concluding. Before we look at the relegation odds, we're going to sandwich in some top scorer stuff, which will be uh, massively interesting for your fantasy leagues because the Fantasy Premier League have decided to allow everybody a free wildcard for the start of the season. So it's a complete reset, pretty much, where you can go in, completely rebuild your team and retain your existing bonuses as well. So it's interesting to look at the, the fixtures. I'm sure that the bookies have done that when making these top goal scorer odds because Jamie Vardy still leads the pack, but he's two goals clear of Abamyang. He's at 15 to 8. Abamyang's at 3 to 1. Mo Salah's at um, five to one. Aguero's at five to one. And Sadio Mane's at fourteen to one. The goal scorer leagues have Vardy at nineteen, Abamyang at seventeen, Salah at sixteen, Aguero at sixteen, and Ings fifteen, uh, Mane at fourteen. So. They've obviously looked ahead at the fixtures, but you also have to look at incentives as well. If Manchester City can't overturn this ban, they're not going to really have too much to play for in these remaining games. Whereas in, in other competitions like the Champions League and the FA Cup, it is an extra trophy that it can win. I don't think to Man City it makes very much difference whether they finish second, third or, or fourth here, as long as they are in those in those spots. So that if they do overturn this uh, ruling by UEFA that they are then reinserted into the Champions League but I don't think there's any danger in a million years of Man City being bad enough to drop out of the top four but of course it's going to be interesting to see how incentivized they are because they don't have very much to play for they do have more to play for in other competitions so you could see the likes of Aguero not getting game time but as I said if he gets the game time He's a great price here at 5-1 to one because he could easily score three more goals than Jamie Vardy for the remainder of the season. If he plays out the remainder of Man City's games, I think that one is the best bet on the board. Bamiyang's playing at an Arsenal team that would be incentivized to to get as many points as possible. I think top five is unrealistic for them, but they do want to make sure that they have some kind of European football. Plus, it's just unacceptable at a club like Arsenal to to continue to play that the way that they're, that they're playing and continue to get the results that they're playing. Obviously, Mikel Arteta's a new manager and he's going to get time, but the acceptable league position at Arsenal isn't seventh or eighth place. You're expected to finish in the top six. You're expected to challenge for a Champions League position. I think it's unrealistic to talk about Arsenal being challengers for the league. I think it's really unrealistic to talk about Arsenal winning the league for a long, long time. The club is just not built that way. The money doesn't come from on top for Arsenal to challenge for the league. They are essentially being run as a business. Kronke, the owner of Arsenal, has absolutely destroyed that club and has selfishly ran it as a business that 
that basically is built on the fact that Arsenal need to finish in the top four. And every season that Arsenal don't finish in the top four, they are falling below the expectations of the business model, which makes it even less likely that Arsenal are going to buy any players. So despite the fact that Arsenal, for a certain amount of time under Arsene Wenger, looked like one of the best-run clubs in the Premier League, they paid off their ground 100%. They spent a lot of money rebuilding that, that Emirates ground they got it all paid off and uh, it looked like they were going to go on to be contenders after that point. But the money never came. They turned it into a business. Instead, Stan Kroenke didn't invest in the club. And we now looking at a team that have dropped outside of the top four. They've lost Arsene Wenger. They've gone from one manager to another manager. And um, things don't look like improving at Arsenal. They look like a club that are in trouble. And when you're looking at the investment coming from below Arsenal, uh, in teams like Everton, for example, they could even find themselves losing their footing in the top six. And it wouldn't surprise me to see Arsenal not finish in the top six this season, whereas the likes of Manchester United and Chelsea are just going to strengthen. And they are going to be the two teams that I feel that really do challenge Manchester City and Liverpool next season. We've already seen Chelsea's spending power. They've already signed up Werner from uh, RB Leipzig. They haven't quite got it over the line yet, but it looks like that's a done deal. So they are going to be serious contenders. Lampard is going to get that money to spend. Manchester City may fall behind because they're not going to be able to add any players because nobody's going to want to play for a team not in the Champions League. Liverpool, it'll be interesting to see where they strengthen. Manchester United always strengthen, and they look like they are improving under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Tottenham, that could be a problem. Jose Mourinho apparently took this job knowing that there was going to be very little money available, and he would have to sell players to buy players. And what we're going to see here, most likely, is that Arsenal... And Chelsea, uh, Arsenal and Tottenham, sorry, do become the two teams that drop out of this conversation or become the two lower teams inside this top six. And I do think what we'll see next season is a real strengthening of a big four. We had a big four for a while, and I think we may have a big four once again, with it being Liverpool, the two Manchester clubs, and then Chelsea being the, the sole London club here that have any chance of challenging for the league moving forward. But um, to conclude, on, I went off on a little tangent there, but to conclude with this top scorer's market, as I said, there's value there in Sergio Aguero. There's also value there in Mo Salah because um, Liverpool don't have anything to play for now. And that's actually an advantage here for people that are betting here for Mo Salah because... Um, Liverpool are going to just try and win all these games. They're going to try and get as many points as they possibly can. They're not in any other competitions. Atletico Madrid put an end to that. And um, overall, you have to say from where Liverpool's season were, was a couple of months ago, this has ended up being somewhat of a disappointing season, despite the fact they are going to win the league for the first time in 30 years. And if you'd offered that to them at the start of the season, they would have taken it. But what could have been? At one point, they were in all the competitions. They obviously have won the Club World Cup as well. So even though some people won't see it as a double, I do. Uh, they won that uh, European Super Cup as well, the, the tournament between uh, themselves and, and Chelsea, where the winners of the Europa League take on the winners of the Champions League. Liverpool won that game as well. So they do have three trophies, but it could have been so much more. They they didn't play a strong team in the FA Cup and allowed themselves to go out of that. Uh, they played kids against Aston Villa, although that wasn't really their fault because um, the scheduling didn't allow them to put up a good team for that game. So they almost forfeited their position in the Carabao Cup. And then the Champions League, which I think is one that they really wanted. And some people thought that they were handed a favourable draw against Atletico Madrid. I didn't. 
I, from the very beginning, tipped Atletico Madrid to win that tie. I thought it was a bad tie for Liverpool. It was the one team that I felt had the antidote for Liverpool's style, which was putting people behind the ball and inviting Liverpool to break them down. And in a sense, Liverpool rely on teams being out of position so that they can press the ball. They either press the ball up, up the pitch early, so they'll they'll capitalise on teams that try and play football from the back and don't succeed at it, which is the ways that they've beaten Man City over the years, or they'll push play if you try and attack them they'll they'll break with pace and they'll push more players forward they'll attack with their fullbacks and they'll outnumber you in multiple situations now if you don't make that commitment then liverpool aren't able to to break you down because they are lacking that world-class playmaker like a Kevin De Bruyne and that's something that they need to address it's all well and good being linked to Werner a player that they didn't sign anyway and I don't think they needed to because they have Firmino in that position playing the false nine and if they do end up going for an out-and-out -out striker it's going to be make a massive change to the way Liverpool do end up playing and uh, I think it's more important that they address this playmaker situation but I really don't know who's out there do you take the gamble on on a Hamis Rodriguez who, who hasn't really been that good since the um, since the 2014 World Cup, he's moved from club to club and, and hasn't really made any kind of impact at Real or Bayern Munich. So it's a difficult one. It's a difficult one to know who you buy, who's good enough to play for Liverpool and occupy that position. But for the resumption, I do think that Mane and Salah will continue to score goals. It's not a particularly particularly difficult that run in Liverpool have in order to secure as many points as possible. And Salah, Mane and Mo Salah will be among the goals here. So I'm basically saying fade Jamie Vardy here in this situation because I don't think he'll end up being the, the Premier League's top goal scorer. Going to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash CFT. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash CFT. Of course, the 50% bonus offer deposit bonus offer is still going sign up with the promo code sgp to net yourself some extra cash on top of your deposit so if you put in a thousand dollars they'll spot you a free five hundred dollars to play with that's promo code sgp when you make your first deposit with my bookie you bet you win most importantly you will get paid let me also take a second out here to talk about Ace Per Head. If you've ever thought about starting your own sportsbook but didn't know how, Ace is there to help you start your own sportsbook. They'll provide you with an all-inclusive professional betting site with all the lines updated to the second and wages graded immediately. They have top-notch customer support going 24-7 and some of the sharpest lines in the industry. Plus, Ace offers a live betting and amazing mobile betting experience. You can get started today. Ace is offering up to six weeks free over at aceperhead.com slash SGP. That's aceperhead.com slash SGP. Last sponsor I want to talk about here is Cushy Dreams. They're a new company with a full lineup of premium smokable CBD. They specialize in extraordinary CBD-rich hemp flour and pre-rolled CBD joints. So if you can't roll like me, you need the pre-rolls. They're now shipping legally to all 50 states. Join the group of adults who are sick of vapes and gummies and want to smoke their CBD. And of course, you can get 15% off by using our promo code. It's always the same, SGP. So go to Cushy Dreams. That's K-U-S-H-Y dreams.com and use the promo code SGP. Moving on to the relegation odds here and um, the leaders and this market are Norwich who are as good as down they are 1 to 16 for a reason second is Aston Villa at 2 to 5 who 
I thought were a shoe to go down, but they will get some players back. So despite the fact they didn't want this season to, to resume, which would have kept them in the Premier League, they do have some players back and may have a chance to get out of this. They're only two points behind three other teams. So we'll address that in a minute. Bournemouth are at four to five. West Ham are at 15 to eight. Watford are at nine to four. And Brighton are at 11 to four. So if we look at the league table, Norwich are bottom for 21. Aston Villa next for 25. And then we have a plethora of teams on 27. Three teams, Bournemouth, Watford, and West Ham all on 27. Goal difference is not too much between them. And then we have Brighton on 29 points. And I think there's some real value here on Brighton at 11 to 4. If you shop around, you can get them out as big as 7 to 2 at another bookie. I'm not sure how many points Brighton are going to pick up here. And if you're looking at Brighton giving you some great value uh, at over three to one, there's even more value if you think that they're going to go down with the two teams below them being Aston Villa and Norwich because the relegation treble for those three teams to go down. So I look at my chart here, Aston Villa, Brighton and Norwich are available at eight to one in a relegation treble. I think there's tremendous value there because... Brighton are a team that started the season okay, but got found out after a while and then didn't play survival football. And what's happened is, is that they've gone lower and lower down the table and have been sucked into a relegation race because they are more focused on playing a particular brand of football than they are playing the football necessary to get the necessary points to get out of this situation. Now, I don't know whether we're going to see a different Brighton when we come back and they do secure the points that they need. I think three wins and 38 points will be enough this season to get them up. But as I'm looking through their fixtures, I don't see three wins for Brighton. Um, they start against Arsenal, and it'll be interesting to see how motivated Arsenal are. I mean, they're in with a shout. They're in all the way down in ninth place, but they're only five points behind Man United, or occupy five, occupy fifth place, sorry. And if we're looking at five teams going into the Champions League or the top five going into Champions League with Man City not going in, that would be a motivating factor for Arsenal. But at least, at least securing European football, because ninth place doesn't secure you European football on, in anyone's planet. So they at least need to finish sixth or seventh, depending on... Uh, how many spaces are allocated for the Europa League. And that's going to be dependent upon who wins the other trophies, um, the FA Cup included. Not something I'm going to get into on the show, but um, trust me, ninth place isn't good enough to get Arsenal anything and they're going to be motivated to, to come out and play better. Um, next up, Brighton go to Leicester, then Brighton host Manchester United. Then they go away to Norwich. And if Norwich play like they're already down then I don't know what motivation Norwich are going to have but even so even so they don't strike me as a team that are going to pack up and and stop playing I think you're going to get maximum effort from Norwich the whole time but let's for argument's sake say that is a winnable game for Brighton uh, they then host Liverpool that's not a winnable game for Brighton they then host Man City that shouldn't be a winnable game for Brighton but again we're looking at motivational factors for for Man City uh, they then travel to Southampton, who you'd think would be safe by that point. They're already on 34 points. Um, they then host Newcastle at home, who are safe. They're on 35. They just need one more win out of these remaining games. So I think that's a winnable game for Brighton. And then they finish the season away to Burnley, which is a difficult place to go. Burnley are doing well this season. They're sitting one point behind Arsenal in 10th place. So I've only found two wins there, and I can make an argument for a few draws. So it's going to be very, very tight. It's a struggle for me 
to get Brighton to to 38 points, a 38-point marker. Whereas I can comfortably make a case for Watford getting there. I can comfortably make a case for West Ham getting there. I can't comfortably make a case for Bournemouth getting there, but I can make a case for Bournemouth picking up more points than Brighton. And at the moment, they're only two points behind them. So... It's very, very, very interesting how this is all going to develop out. But I think there's some real value there on Brighton going down this season. Um, We will look at um, Bournemouth's fixture list because we looked at Brighton's. And for me, it's going to be one of those two going down with Aston Villa because despite the fact Aston Villa have got some decent players back, I looked at Aston Villa's schedule and it is very, very difficult, especially from where they are. And um, I do think next season we may end up seeing key players leaving Aston Villa and that's going to make it very, very difficult for them to get back in the Premier League without of without the um, the key players like Jack Grealish remaining at Aston Villa. So looking at Bournemouth, they have a winnable game immediately when they come back against Crystal Palace. A difficult trip to Wolves and then they have a winnable game at home to Newcastle. Then they travel to Manchester United, which is going to be difficult. Then they host Tottenham, and if Tottenham are motivated, that's going to be difficult. They then host Leicester, and Leicester weren't doing particularly well um, before the lockdown period. In fact, Leicester haven't done good period in 2020. They've been terrible since Christmas. So that could represent a winnable game. But for argument's sake, I won't say it is. I'll say Leicester come out and play well. Manchester City away again, depend upon motivation. But then we have the South Coast derby with Bournemouth hosting Southampton. And that's a game that Bournemouth want to win anyway, any time of year. That is a massive derby. Motivation will be very, very high for Bournemouth to win that game and I can see them winning it and as I said I can see them definitely getting something at home to Leicester so I can make a strong argument for Bournemouth picking up 10 points here and that's why I think the real value lies on Brighton going down but I could be completely wrong we could see a completely different Brighton when when we come back and uh, they may be able to grind out the points that keep them in the Premier League for another season we already looked at the uh, the relegation trebles um, the odds the odds makers have made the favourite result here, Aston Villa, Bournemouth and Norwich 2-1. to one. And then Aston Villa, West Ham and Norwich at 5-1 to one is the second favourite as well. And uh, our selection at 8-1 to one is the fourth favourite and sandwiched in between is Aston Villa, Norwich and Watford at 11-2. to two. But I don't think Watford are going to go down, although it is worth noting that Troy Deeney, because of the whole COVID-19 situation, isn't going to play the remainder of the season. He isn't coming back to play. He has a child who has asthma, so he's made the decision not to play. So that will be interesting to see how Watford play without him because previously without Troy Deeney, Watford weren't doing too well during the season. So they could be one to keep an eye on as well without Troy Deeney in the team. So that pretty much covers the the futures markets and we'll now move on to the the first two games that will start off the Premier League season and then we'll look at a little bit of uh, of fantasy as well i recommend a couple of players that that made you well for the remainder of the season Aston Villa host Sheffield United where they'll be the 11 to 5 underdogs it's 23 to 10 and it's 6 to 5 to draw I'm not seeing a whole load of goals in this one. I think with Sheffield United, you have a team that have defended well all season but haven't scored a lot of goals. You have an Aston Villa team who needs to be cautious because they need to pick up precious points and every point counts and they'll be looking to keep tight here. And this is a game 
that they need to win. If they want to stay up, this is a game that I think Aston Villa need to win. And it's a winnable game. If you look at the start of the season, Sheffield United were the solid relegation favourites to go down. And they came up with automatic promotion. But Aston Villa came through the playoffs. And a lot of people were looking at this Villa team with the money they spent and the players that they've got as being a team that would survive comfortably. And that's all obviously changed over the course of the season. But I still could make the argument that there is better personnel in the Villa team and they have players that are more valuable and they have more game changers than Sheffield United. So... Sheffield United wouldn't have wanted that that break necessarily because they were having a really, really good season. And a lot of people were talking about what if what if Sheffield United do manage to secure a place in Europe or they get into the top five or even the Europa League or whatever. But then then again, what if Sheffield United come back and they are the team that they're expected to be and they, and they aren't the same team as before and they don't come and hardly get any points when we resume because on paper, Aston Villa should beat this team. So I think there's value in the, in the home dog. I would prefer to take it on the draw-no-bet market where... You get refunded if it's a draw, where Aston Villa are 7-5 to five on that market. I prefer to take it there. But uh, as I said, for me, the best bet on this game would be on the under. And you can get the under two and a half goals here at 10-11. to 11. So it's 10-11 to 11 over and 10-11 to 11 under. And I'm strongly leaning towards the under here. And of course, there's the, there's the factor of these teams just coming back as well. And um, we saw that in Belarus. Loads of people asked me, why are there no goals in Belarus? I said, there will be. And now there is. Because it takes some time to adjust to that side of the game. It's far more difficult to score a goal than it is to defend a goal. Defending the goal and being organised and, and playing a system and, and getting men behind the ball is always going to be fundamental. It's always going to be basic and easier to do than having that skill and technique and be able to have the creativity to create something and remember what it takes to to produce that moment of magic to stick the ball in the back of the net or it could come from a mistake we could see some mistakes and some silly goals at the beginning of the Premier League season when we come back but we don't know what to expect because it's, it's just no need it's, it's just needless to speculate what we're going to see we can only go by what we've seen in other leagues and as I said the the big stat that sticks out to me from what we've seen in Germany because that's the main league that provides us with enough statistical data to look at and that's the 51% away wins and 20% home wins and that is scary because it does tempt you to go into this EPL season and blindly back all of the away dogs on the double chance market because that could be a profitable avenue. It's not a betting technique that, that I would personally explore because I'm not one to, to call myself a selective play expert and then to come on a podcast and say, blindly play this system. Um, that's not what I would do. I'm going to spend the time to individually get my head down and research each and every game. It's always been the way I do things, but... Obviously, I wouldn't dissuade anyone from doing that because I, I use the term blindly, but it's not blindly when you have an entire league that has produced some very strange results already. And as I said, lockdown football does make the home ground a neutralizer and the better team is usually coming out on top. And in this instance, you would probably say it's Sheffield United based on league position. But if we look at the odds at the start of the season, I'll come back to that same point. Aston Villa were not 
as big a relegation favourites as Sheffield United. Sheffield United were the biggest favourites to go down. They were odds on to be relegated from this from this league. We actually took a five-unit play on them. Hold my hands up and say we were completely caught off guard by this team. That's we we actually have landed 83% futures over at lockbetting.com since it started. That's one of the things that we're best at. You should never ever miss a futures bet at lockbetting.com but this was one of the ones where we got it very very wrong with the Sheffield United team the main game that that, uh, kicks off the season again will be the 8-15 game on Wednesday between Manchester City and Arsenal where Manchester City are the 1-3 favourites it's 9-2 to draw and it's 7-1 on Arsenal I think there's, there's some value here on Arsenal I know they don't do well at Manchester City and I know this should really be a, a standard cakewalk. This should be Man City to win and both teams to score. I mean, we've got all the data here for us. Man City do concede goals. They've only kept a clean sheet in... Uh, they've only kept three clean sheets, sorry, in 10 of their Premier League whole games. Arsenal have lost each of their last six meetings with Manchester City, so there's a key statistic there. The last two trips to the FA had both ended in 3-1 defeats. And the 3-1 scoreline I actually picked out here is at 14-1. to And uh, Arsenal score goals. They've scored in all but one of their 15 matches under Mikel Arteta. So both teams to score, I think, would be the safest standout bet. But as a side bet here, simply looking at motivational factors of Manchester City having no motivation to play these nine games. They are more interested in the FA Cup and, of course, the Champions League, which will be happening around about August. That is going to be their priority, wrapping these players up in cotton wool and getting to the Champions League, I would think, would be their priority. But I'm not Pep Guardiola. I can't second guess what he'll do because if he puts his best team out here on paper, they're going to win and they're going to win comfortably. But both teams to score is available at four to six. And as a side bet, Arsenal on the plus two handicap is available at even money. So even if Man City win this game, if they win this game by one goal, you're still cashing if Arsenal can stay within a goal of this team and produce a respectable performance. Obviously, if Arsenal win or it's a draw, you win that bet anyway. Um, I don't think I would be looking for Arsenal to come here and win all of a sudden, but is it possible they could get a draw because they're more motivated and Man City are very unincentivized to play? Yeah, of course it would. But um, of course it could happen. But I think the safer money would be on both teams scoring here because we have a lot of data to support that fact. And uh, that's what I would go with in this game. So that concludes this edition of the EPL show. The EPL show is back and it will begin with the two games we just covered there. Loads of future stuff we looked at. Looking at a futures lock for the show, I'm going to give you a couple of locks. Um, first one's going to be Manchester United to finish in the top five. It's chalky. It's one to two, I know. So maybe take two units on that one. So that's going to be the first lock. And the second lock will be on Bournemouth to stay up. Now, I know that's not a market we looked at because we look at teams to go down, but there is a contrary market for teams to stay up. Newcastle are 1 to 100, Brighton are 1 to 4, Watford are 1 to 3, West Ham are 4 to 11, and Bournemouth are 10 to 11 because they looked at the team that will go down with Aston Villa and Norwich. I don't think Bournemouth will go down. I think teams have got bigger problems. I think Brighton can get sucked into it. I mentioned all of the problems earlier, and I don't know how Watford are going to play without Troy Deeney. I expect they'll be fine. I'll expect they'll pick up enough points to stay above the likes of, of Brighton. 
and possibly even Bournemouth. But I think Bournemouth have some real winnable games there. And I think that they may come out and surprise some people and they may be decent after the lockdown period. If it's the old Bournemouth of the last few Premier League seasons, they should have no problem coming out and getting 10 points from these nine games, which will keep them in the Premier League. So Bournemouth at 10 to 11. If you shop around, actually... Um, I've seen that at even money already here on the market. So shop around for that one. I think we'll just play that at a at a unit and go two units on Man United to finish in the top five at one to two. Chalky, but I think it will definitely happen with uh, with Pogba back and, and seeming like he's motivated. Playing with Fernandez, who was brilliant before the end. The back four looking a lot more solid. Marcus Rashford back. Anthony Martial looking in decent form. Top players all the way. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Man United actually finish inside this top four and not have to worry about what happens with the whole Manchester City situation but we're going to play it safe with that lock and take Man United to finish in the top five and uh, we're going to take a little bit more of a dangerous play even money on Bournemouth to stay in this league although I really really do love the pick for Brighton to go down getting that over three to one getting that at seven to two I think that one is a real possibility before we close out I did say I would go over some fantasy stuff and I'm going to go over that pretty quickly because I've simply picked out some players that you may want to have in your team at the start of the uh, start of the new fantasy season, or at least the resumption of the fantasy season, where you can now use a wild card to to pick some fresh players, get some fresh faces in your team. Obviously, it starts with a double game week. That's going to be the only double game week because everything else has been set out for these fixtures to to correlate and for everybody to finish in time as the game weeks are played out. So make sure that you double up on, on City players, Arsenal players, Aston Villa players and Sheffield United players originally because they are all going to have two games in this game week. So you are looking at people like Aubameyang, who's likely to, to score goals, even if he doesn't manage to score at Manchester City he may be able to bag you on at Brighton and then obviously moving forward, he's always a decent player to have in your team. For Man City, you're looking at Aguero, but obviously it's difficult to have both Aguero and Aubameyang, so I would drop back and take Kevin De Bruyne in that team. I think Riyad Mahrez is going to be decent when we come back. Jack Grealish is one that's not going to cost you too much. I think Villa are going to go down, but I think they're going to have some fight in them before they go down, and Jack Grealish is, of course, the main player there. When you're looking outside of teams on a double game week, there are some Man United players floating about. I like Man United defenders particularly. I think Aaron Wan-Bissaka will be decent. I think there's always a chance of getting a clean sheet and providing an assist from a cross. I think Harry Maguire may score a couple more goals because he was starting to score before the season stopped. I think Anthony Martial is great value because he's a wide player who actually plays as a striker. I wouldn't go for Fernandes. I think there's better assist makers in the team uh, in the Premier League. I think De Bruyne is better than Fernandes. So I, I would save your money. I would commit to the more pricey players. I would get De Bruyne in. I would continue to go with uh, Salah and either Salah or Mane or both if you can can and then and then save money elsewhere on the team you don't need two strikers in fantasy if you do get a second one go for a cheap one go for a, a Danny Ings but you don't need to midfield is a key I would go in with a with a five-man midfield and a back four and one striker or a key striker a cheap striker and then a back three but midfield is key because they can get points in various different ways I always have a five-man midfield unless of course you just go for a four 
four-man midfield and you have some solid defenders that you're certain will get you enough clean sheets to make it worth having them and of course if you have someone like Trent Alexander-Arnold you're going to get the assists as well as the the goals and the clean sheets as well but I think Joe Gomez at Liverpool is still at good value originally at the season he was priced up as a player that was going to be a a third choice centre-back but he's mainly slotted in there and got a lot of clean sheets next to Van Dijk so I think Gomez is worth a recommendation so I think my top five would be Grealish, Gomez, Aubameyang, Kevin De Bruyne and and Mo Salah as they continue scoring. But of course, because we are starting with this double game week, it's very important to get in as many of the players who are going to get double points this week as possible and then filter them out over the next few weeks, trying to take as few and minus fours as you possibly can. So think about players that you get in this week that you can keep permanently so you don't have to take a whole load of minus fours. I understand you may have to take a couple because um, you only get one transfer per week or per game week, so you will have to take some minus fours to make two. But don't make it a case of where you're taking minus eight, minus 12, because that's how uh, fantasy leagues are lost in the long run. One final, final thing. I touched on it earlier. I did say that I would take a look at the FA Cup. So we are going to look at the FA Cup right now to finish off. We're going to look at those quarterfinals very, very, very briefly because obviously later on down the line, we will be doing a separate show about it. Man City are the four to five favourites to win the FA Cup. Then it just gets big after that. Man United seven to one, Arsenal eight to one, Chelsea eight to one, Leicester ten to one, Sheffield United twenty to one, twenty five to one, Newcastle and forty to one, Norwich. All Premier League teams left in this. When you're looking at the remaining games you can understand why they have Manchester City installed as the short favourites because they're very likely to go to Newcastle and win. They're 2-11 to to win that game. I think out of all of the domestic games that Man City are going to play, that's the most important one for them, strangely, because they don't have anything to achieve in the league, but they will want to win this FA Cup. They will want to win the FA Cup and the League Cup and, of course, the Champions League. So that's an important game for City. I have no doubts that they'll be in the semi-final. Leicester 13-8, to 12-5 to draw and 13-8 on Chelsea. That's a real toss-up. Sheffield United versus Arsenal. You have Arsenal as narrow favourites of 6-4 to to win there and 9-5 to Sheffield United. I think Sheffield United would have benefited, of course, from having their, their home supporters there, but I really, really like Arsenal there at 6-4 to and uh, I also like Chelsea um, narrowly to win at Leicester. In the other game, Manchester United and Norwich City, Saturday the 27th of June, Man United 4-6 to favourites, 19-5 to the draw and 14-5 the draw. I can't see past Man United there. So my final four here would be all of the favourites actually progressing. Um, bit chalky, but I can't see any other way, especially with the neutralisation of the crowds. Otherwise, they may have taken Sheffield United as an underdog. I would have taken Leicester as an underdog because they get passionately behind their team as well. But I think without the fans there, I think Manchester United, Arsenal and Chelsea get those away wins and Man City as well. All away wins actually for me here for the final four. And then you're looking at Man United, Arsenal, Chelsea and Man City are really great final four hopefully we will end up with fans in the FA Cup final and uh, Man United have done really well actually against Manchester City this season they've done the double over them in the league and obviously they were knocked out of the Carabao Cup by them over two legs but they even won one of those games as well they have a three and one record against Man City this season so they are a good shout I know I'm a Man United supporter but I really think we're a good shout here at seven to one based on the fact we've only got Norwich in the quarterfinals and we've got such a good record against Man City this season so there is a definite chance that Man United could have a decent go in this competition and pick up this trophy. And of course, the Europa League as well. 
that concludes the EPL resumption preview here. The regular EPL show will return on Thursday with the weekend fixtures. Of course, the Bundesliga show will continue until the end of the season. We only have two more Bundesliga shows to go. So make sure that you check all of those out. Over at lockbetting.com, the European show will return at the weekend. There will also be a preview of the Serie A season, much like we did La Liga on here last week. We'll be looking at Serie A. But of course, all of the European fixtures will now be covered, with the exception of Bundesliga. The rest will be covered on the European show over at lockbetting.com. That's only a $10 tier. So it's only $2.50 per show. So $10 a month, you'll get those four European shows covering the La Liga and the Serie A. It's an absolute bargain because what we do, as I always say, what we do is we look at all of the fixes in Europe. We pick just a very, very small amount and that we really, really like and we give out bets on those. So it's well worth subscribing to LockBetting.com just to get involved. And of course, if you check out my new Twitter account, at SGP EPL. I will always be putting out some free bets. I may be doing even more than usual at the moment because I want to get that account up and running. I have not been able to get my at lock bank back. I don't know what happened. I didn't violate any of Twitter's rules or anything. It's just completely bizarre to me why that Twitter account has gone. So I'm really going to make a big effort to pump up at SGP EPL and obviously the best way to get you guys there is to give some free plays so make sure you check out that Twitter account and give me a follow and you will end up getting some free plays as well as I said I'll be appearing on the regular sports gambling podcast network so check me out there I'll be talking about the EPL I'll also be discussing some markets as well because some people are confused with um, with soccer markets in terms of the the handicaps and Asian goal lines mainly the Asian markets so I'll be touching on those of Ryan and Sean so make sure you check me out I'll be on there for about 15, 20 minutes this week. That's it from me and this edition of the EPL show. Good luck with all of your bets as always. And thanks for listening. Finally spring, and I'm saying goodbye snow, hello adventure. And during the Honda Dream Garage Spring Event, you can get epic deals on your favorite Honda model. Ready to get rugged? Then take the off-road in an all-wheel drive Honda SUV, like the CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, or redesigned Ridgeline. Want to take a spring road trip? Then check out a fuel-efficient turbocharged Civic or Accord. Say goodbye to winter and hello to a new Honda. Don't miss huge savings during the Honda Dream Garage Spring Event. Now at your local Honda dealer.